once again to 3 John chapter 1, verse 2. As you know, we've been studying on Wednesday nights, prosperity is real. Did anybody get this into their spirit yet? Hallelujah. Let's read our scripture text once again, where it says in 3 John 1, 2, Beloved, I wish above all things. Do I have any beloveds in the room today? So it says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest what? Prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. As we've been asking, do you believe the Bible is God speaking to us? Amen. See, this is a sure word from God. And in that sure word, what did he tell you? That he wishes or desires above all things that we would prosper. And he wishes or desires above all things that we would be healthy. Come on, say this out loud. This is God speaking to me. Come on, say it again. This is God speaking to me. Once again, we looked at chapter after chapter and book after book on our study here on Wednesday nights. We've seen how God feels about you and I being prosperous. Come on, say amen, somebody. Come on, it is his will that we prosper materially, we prosper spiritually, and we prosper financially. I should have got a bigger amen than that, but it's all right. Amen? And that we be in health physically. And how is that going to happen? Even as our soul prospers. See, how are you going to prosper in your body, even as your soul prospers? See, and once again, you're not going to prosper in your wallet. You're not going to prosper in your pocketbook until you prosper in your soul. Amen? You're not going to get healed until you prosper in your soul, until you see yourself healed. Come on. Are you with me out here? Come on. You think healed and you talk healed. What's that doing? That's prospering on the inside in your soul. Some might say soul. And as you do that, what's it going to do? It's going to affect your body as you prosper in your soul. So that means we got to quit talking poor. Quit thinking poor. Thinking broke. Come on, say amen, somebody. Amen. Stop talking about how broke you are. Amen. Especially when you talk to your children. I got to get bigger amen than that. At least from the teenagers of anybody else. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. You got to start making plans to do things that rich people do. Okay, I got to put a little I got to start doing things that rich people do since I ain't talking to y'all. <laughs> My goodness gracious. Amen. Now, we've gone over this in great detail, amen. We defined what prosperity is. We went all the way back to the beginning. We found out that God's name was El Shaddai, amen, the all-breasty one. We found out his name was Jehovah Jireh, the Lord that provides. Come on, say amen, somebody. We went back and we asked what kind of God did the patriarchs know. We talked about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and we also talked about Joseph, amen. And we know they all knew a God who made them rich. Amen. They all knew a God who blessed them amazingly. Are you with me out here? 
we talked about the covenant of prosperity. God established a covenant with Abraham that applies to us today. Why? We are blessed. I guess I'm talking to myself again. I am blessed. Glory to God. Amen. Anybody need to sing Father Abraham real quick? Wake y'all up. Amen. The blessing of Abraham is ours. It includes, it includes material prosperity. We found out the curse of the, of the disobedient is not ours. Say it again. We found out the curse of the disobedient is not ours. Amen. And we read that curse in Deuteronomy chapter 28. But we also found out in Galatians 3.13, come on, we've been what? Redeemed from the what? Curse of the law. In other words, we don't have to have it. Amen. And we know poverty is part of the curse. And so is sickness. Now, last week, we looked at what kind of God did David know. Glory to God. And we found out David knew a God who brought him from being a poor man to being a rich, rich, rich man. Come on. David knew a God who spared him, protected him time after time after time. David knew a God that even when he lost everything, including his own family, God restored it all to him and gave him more besides. Come on, say amen, somebody. David knew a God, the Bible says, preserved him everywhere he went. Come on, say, I know a God that preserves me everywhere I go. Come on, say it again. I know a God that preserves me everywhere I go. Well, then we ask the question, well, what kind of man did God know in David? He knew a man that loved God with all his heart, his soul, mind, and strength. That's the kind of man God knew. And he was considered a man after God's own heart. God knew a man, David, that would stand up, amen, would stand up, a God, stand up for God against the biggest enemy, meaning Goliath. Come on, say amen, somebody. God knew a man that wasn't ashamed to dance and praise God in front of everybody. Oh, come on. Amen, somebody. And this is the way you have to be. It's time out for being a closet Christian, folks. Somebody, you need to, some of y'all need to take a step on your desk sometime. Amen. Around the office sometime. Let's let people know that I am a Christian and I love and know my God. And I'm not ashamed to praise my God. I can be just as bold as a Muslim to kneel down in the middle of the floor and bow to my God. They don't think nothing of it. But you're ashamed to even bow to your God, to praise God in public. Amen? Afraid of the repercussions. They ain't worried about the repercussions. So why should you be worried about the repercussions of you praising your God that gave you life and strength? Oh, come on. Say amen, somebody. Amen? So it's time out from being a closet Christians. We know David identified with God. He identified with his word. He was a man who understood covenant. Come on, say amen, somebody. Glory to God. We know there's not just a Godward side, but there's also a what? Manward side. So tonight, we're going to look at something we've been headed towards during this entire series. Turn to 1 Chronicles chapter 22. 
So we looked at the God that David knew last week. And here in 1 Chronicles 22, this is at the end of David's life. And here he's speaking in verse 5. Notice what he says. And David said, Solomon, my son, is young and tender. And the house that is to be built for the Lord must be what? Exceedingly, exceeding magnificent. That's another word for saying really nice. Somebody say really nice. I'm talking about tots. Come on, say amen, somebody. It's got to be the best of the best. So he said, must be exceeding magnificent of fame and of glory throughout all what? Country. In other words, people are supposed to hear about it, amen, hundreds and hundreds and thousands and thousands of miles away. Amen. Are you with me out here? Amen. They're supposed to say, man, did you see the Lord's house? Somebody said, no, I didn't see it. Man, you got to go see it. Come on, say amen, somebody. It's something that you have never seen before. Are you with me out here? And then they say, oh, man, you should see it. It's all gold and silver and jewels. There's no telling how much it costs. That's what they should be saying. Oh, come on, say amen, somebody. But the question is, when you read this, right, it's counted in 1 Chronicles chapter 5, amen, or chapter 20, remember, chapter 22, verse 5, come on. When you read this, you have to ask the question, whose idea was it to spend this kind of money on a house? It was God's idea. It was God's idea. Because quickly go over to 1 Chronicles 28, 12. We're going to look at this again, but we're going to look at it quickly right now. 1 Chronicles 28, 12. We'll keep our marker there because we're coming back, I think. 1 Chronicles 28, 12. Notice what he says here. And the pattern of all that he had by the what? Spirit of the course of the house of the Lord and of the, all the chambers round about, and of the treasuries of the house of God, of the treasuries of the dedicated things. Come on, he says, he got it from who? God. Look at verse 19. All this, said David, the Lord made me what? Understand in writing by his hand upon me even all the works of this pattern. So whose idea was it to spend all that money on such a house? It was the Lord's idea. To neighbor, it's the Lord's idea. Matter of fact, the same thing happened to Moses when Moses got plans for the tabernacle. The tabernacle was, a very, was very expensive to build, folks. Amen? Now, if God would have rather saved all that money, like some people say, if God would have rather saved all that money for something else, amen, like people say, and imply, then he wouldn't have done that. He wouldn't have spent all that money on a tabernacle, and he wouldn't have spent all that money, come on, say amen, somebody, on building his house. Come on. He would, have built it, he would have built it out of some wood or something, out of something else besides gold, and saved a lot of money. He could have fed some people with that money. Come on, say amen, somebody. He could have financed ministries and outreaches with that money. Didn't God know that? He could have spent that money some other way than at a house. See, we say this because why? 
people get criticized for building the house of the Lord. Let me say it again. People get criticized for building the house of the Lord. You hear people say things like, you don't have to have that. Amen. It don't have to be that nice. Yes, it does. Tell your neighbor, yes, it does. But you could have used that money. What are they saying? They're actually saying your priorities are not right. You're not being, they're saying you're not being led. But what are they doing? All they're doing is judging. Tell your neighbor they're judging. See, they feel that you're squandering and wasting the Lord's money. They feel you're being a poor steward of his resources. Come on, say amen, somebody. That could have been used to feed the poor. Come on, that could have been used to finance other ministries and finance, come on, outreaches. But think about it. Have you ever heard that about somebody else in the New Testament Bible where they said the same thing? Do you remember his name? You ain't say it. <laughs> his name. <laughs> His name was Judas. <laughs> oh, thank you for helping me out there. <laughs> Matter of fact, what a look at Mark 14 3. <laughs> Boy, you were so helping. Glory to God. I'm at Marisol, get up here and preach this. <laughs> Mark 14, 3, what did he say? Here in Mark 14, 3, it says, Being in Bethany in the house of Simon a leper, as he sat at what? He sat at meat. There came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spiker, very precious. And she broke the box and poured it on his head. That precious perfume was worth, in our day and time, over $15,000. That was some good perfume. <laughs> Come on, say amen, somebody. Amen. And in verse 4 it says, And there were some that had what? Indignation within themselves. And said, Why was this waste appointment made? We know the instigator of all that was Judas. And all the other ones jumped on the bandwagon. And verse 5 it says, For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor. And it says they what? They murmured against her. Now, Judas didn't say this because he cared for the poor. Come on. He was lying because he was a thief. Come on, say amen, somebody. See, he took care of the bag. And if she would have taken that money, and put it into the bag, he would have had access to it. <laughs> In other words, he see that money pouring on Jesus. Man, I could have used that money. <laughs> that could have been my extra donkey that I need. Come on. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Amen, somebody. Amen. Glory to God. 
But it's no different when people judge these days. Oh, you could have given to the poor instead of buying that plane to spread the gospel. Some of y'all in this room said the very same thing. Everybody looks same. Don't, don't, don't change any facial expression. We won't know it's you. <laughs> Come on, say amen, somebody. Amen. amen, amen, amen. But that's what people do. They judge. Come on, say amen, somebody. Amen. Most of and think about it. Most of them are hypocrites. Most of hypocrites. They're not doing what they say others should be doing. You can barely get a Baptist dollar out of them to give to anything. But then the very one said that money could have been spent or used to feed the poor instead of flying around to spread the gospel to Africa. Oh, come on, say amen. As a matter of fact, if you read this story, and some people read it, they say, Man, Jesus, I think Jesus should have told that woman, what are you doing? You don't waste money like that on a preacher. <laughs> Come on. But what did Jesus say in verse 6? He didn't say, you don't waste money like that on a preacher. What did he say? And Jesus said, let her alone. He said, what? Let the woman alone. Why trouble ye her? She has wrought a what? Good work on me. For you have the poor with you always, and, when, and whensoever you will, you may do good to them, do them good. But me, you have what? You have not always. But think about it. Let's go back to our story. Whose idea was it to spend all of that money on the house of the Lord? It was God's idea. To your neighbor, it was God's idea. Is God a God of prosperity? Amen. Well, you can tell a lot about a person just from where they live. So let's take a look at heaven. Let's remind ourselves how God lives. Go to Revelation chapter 21, verse 10. Let's remind ourselves how God lives. Because sometimes, you know, church folk forget how God lives. Not realizing I'm a child of God. Revelation 21, verse 10, it reads, and he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain. And he showed me that what? Great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. Then in verse 11 it says, having the what? The glory of God. Now you see it time and time again in the word of God where it talks about the glory of his house. The what? The glory of his house. Then it says, and her light was like unto a stone most Precious. In other words, it was costly and expensive. Even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. 
and had a great and a wall great and high and had 12 gates and at the gates 12 angels. I mean, he got some serious bodyguards. Come on. Got his own security team. Come on, say amen, somebody. And names written thereon, and which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. Now go down to verse 14. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations. And then the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And it said, He that talked with me, amen, verse 15, had a golden reed to measure the city and the gates thereof and the walls thereof. And he measured it in verses 16 and 17. Then he tells how big it is. Amen. In verse, and in verse 18, he begins to describe the construction of his city, of his house. Come on, say amen, somebody. And it says, and the building of the wall of it was of jasper. The wall. And the city itself was pure gold, like unto clear glass. Come on. The primary material of the whole city is what? Gold. Now somebody said, that's kind of flashy, ain't it? And people have gotten upset because why? They seen someone with, someone with a gold ring or gold watch. Oh, come on, say amen, somebody. Or a flashy watch. <laughs> amen. Well, you're reading this very book where Jesus had a, had a big gold band. Amen. See, the Lord builds the whole city out of gold purer than any gold ever seen. It's like pure glass. No impurities. This is his city. Verse 19. And the foundations of the walls of the city were garnished with, with all manner of precious stone. Wow, now that's really flashy. The first foundation was jasper. The second, sapphire. And the third, a chalcody, and the fourth, emerald, and the fifth, sardonyx, and the sixth, sardius, and the seventh, chrysolite, and the eighth, beryl, and the ninth, topaz, and the tenth, chrysophras, and the eleventh, jacinth, and the twelfth, amethyst, and, 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 and the twelve gates were twelve pearls. This is my father's house. And evidently, God must like jewelry. <laughs> Come on, he liked pearls. Come on, he liked all kind of precious stones. Well, think about it. Who put them in the earth? Come on, are you with me out here? See, it's sad that much of the church has been reprogrammed by the devil into thinking that all of this stuff is bad. Come on, are you with me out there? There are ministers and people who won't receive valuable things because why? Because they think it's bad. And somebody's trying to bless them with a Rolex and they won't even take it. <laughs> but the question is, why wouldn't you want it? 
Well, it's flashy. It's, come on. That's just too gaudy for me to wear. Was it too flashy or gaudy for God? No. I don't want to see y'all Monday uh, or tomorrow morning, you know, with all y'all bling bling on at work now. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Pastor said we can wear our bling bling. <laughs> <laughs> but think about it. God's will in heaven can't be different than his will on earth. Does that make sense to anybody in this room? Doesn't the Bible tell us to pray? Jesus taught us to pray. Thy will be done on earth be the same as thy will in heaven? Well, we see God's will in heaven is right here. And it must not be completely manifested in the earth or he wouldn't tell us to pray that it would be. The Bible says, in my house there are many mansions, not efficiencies. How many of you believe when you get to heaven, you're going to be like, whoa, look at this. Wow. This is amazing. What are you going to see? You're going to see in his creation, you're going to see the glory of God. See, it takes this kind of thing to express his glory when it says every several gate was of one pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, as it were, transparent. See, a little picket fence and a wooden gate doesn't express his glory. What expresses his glory is streets made of pure, transparent gold. Pearls everywhere. Rubies, the side of boulders everywhere. Come on, say amen, somebody. That's my father. But people get upset when they see you with things. Come on, say amen, somebody. I remember when I first got that navigator out there. Oh, Lord. And it wasn't a brand new Navigator. It was, it, was, it was 2006, and I bought it 2005. But you should have seen, heard people talking about that little red Navigator. And people got upset. Some of them not even here today. Bless their heart. <laughs> I'm supposed to be sad, right? Okay. <laughs> Come on, say amen, somebody. But why? They would have they would have rather for me to drive my broken broken down white minivan. Uh, 
All right, then you ain't got to go that far. <laughs> and I realized one of the, the main primary reasons for getting that, that navigator was to pick up God's anointed when it came to ministry here. Come on. See, what is God's will for us? Poverty or riches? Dullness or brilliance? Come on. God wants us to have quality stuff. Say amen, somebody. Matter of fact, Isaiah 119, then he say, if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Didn't he say that? Amen. The New International Version says, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the best from the land. But the Message Bible reads, if you willingly obey, you'll feast like kings. That's what God said. Turn to Ephesians 5.1. Ephesians 5.1. Are you still with me out there? It's time for us to feast like kings. Ephesians 5.1 reads, Be ye therefore what? Followers of God as dear children. Do we have any children of God in this room? Come on, some modern translation says, be ye what? Imitators of God. In other words, act like him. Act like him. Act like him. Come on, does he believe in being broke? Does he believe in barely getting by? Does he believe in taking a vow of poverty? But there are people that take a vow of poverty. But there's no scripture to support it. Come on. Now, it may be honorable, you know, an honorable thing to make sacrifice and serve the Lord. But the power of poverty? The vow of poverty? Come on, say amen, somebody. Jesus didn't teach that. The disciples didn't teach that. Paul didn't teach that. But like a lot of other stuff, it was something that man made up. And it's all works. Somebody say it's all works. And it misrepresents the Lord. Why? Because God is a good God. And he wills above all things that we what? Prosper and be in health even as our soul prospers. And see, and that's why we're having soul prosperous meeting on Wednesday nights. Come on, say amen, somebody. So that our mind is renewed. So we can quit thinking broke. Quit thinking bleak, dull, and gray. God's a God of colors. Say amen, somebody. So go back to 1 Chronicles 22.5. Are y'all still with me out there? 
What kind of house does God live in? See, there's no place on the earth that can touch God's house. Well, what about the place he's repairing for you? Come on. Is it a shanty in the corner of glory land? <laughs> You'll find people who have died and went to heaven talk about how beautiful heaven is. Come on, say amen, somebody. In fact, the one man was telling about a story, a guy went to, he went to heaven and God, they, they, Jesus took him to his house and he said he had lands, he had mountains and he had, I mean, flowers and the house was just huge and he just couldn't believe it. And he said everything that he's he seen, it was, it was just him. Everything he liked. And God told him, Jesus said, I, I'm going to prepare a house just like you. Amen, somebody. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, don't be trying to go to heaven yet. You, you got work to do. <laughs> but don't be afraid to go there either. Amen. Come on, say amen, somebody. Amen. amen. Well, what's God's will what is God's will on earth? As it is in heaven. Ephesians 5:17. Notice what it says here. Wherefore be you not what? Unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. What happened to my people up there? <laughs> well, Ephesians 5.17 says, Wherefore be you not what? Unwise, but what? Understanding what the will of the Lord is. That's why he gave us the Bible, folks. That's why he gave us this, the wonderful teacher, the Holy Spirit. Why? So that we're not ignorant of his will, but we find out what his will is, and we reach for it, and we pursue it. Amen. Let me say it again. We reach for it, and we what? Pursue it. That's why we, you need to read your Bible consistently. Amen. Come on, consistently, because why? If you stay out of the word, if you stay out of the word, you'll start thinking you know more than you do. You'll start thinking you know more about the Bible than you actually do. Come on, say amen, somebody. You'll start thinking you got more of God's will manifested in your life than you actually do. Oh, I'm preaching good in here. But when you stay in the Word on a regular basis, you'll come across things and say, hold up now, hold up, hold up now. I don't have that. I'm not there yet. And when you come across those things, you'll do one or two things. You'll either try to re explain it away. Come on, say amen, somebody. And try to water it down and try and match it to your present day experience. Or you'll humble yourself and admit that you're not there yet. Amen. And you ask God to bring you up. Amen. Come on, say amen. People do this with healing. They do it with being filled with the Spirit, talking in tongues. Come on.
They do it with prosperity. They do it with being led by the Spirit. They do it with area after area. I'm so glad that when someone first ministered the Holy Spirit to me, I'm so glad that I didn't say, well, that passed away with the apostles. I'm so glad that I didn't say, oh, that's not for everybody. Come on. Why? What is that? That's watering down the word to match your lack of experience. Come on, are you with me out here? Instead of what I did, I humbled myself and said, Lord, I don't have that, but I see it in the word. Bring me up to that right now. And I got filled with the Holy Ghost at a Fred Price meeting he had in Cobo Hall, Detroit. And when I came out that room, they took us back in the back room, we got filled with the Holy Ghost. When I came back in the room, it seemed like the clouds just got brighter. The sky got brighter. I said, wow, it got bright out here. <laughs> come on, say amen, somebody. So when you come across something that you don't have, ask God to bring you up. But it only comes when you consistently read the word. Read the word. Not this sporadic thing you've been doing. When you feel like it. Or as your bed night, bedtime story to make you go to sleep. Let's go back to 1 Chronicles chapter 22, verse 5. <laughs> now, I want you to think about this. If you look at the tent, the tabernacle, that God told Moses to build, that was just a temporary house. But that temporary house cost, it was worth over $100 million to build according to our standards. The temporary house, the temp place. $100 million. And that was just a pre-runner of the real thing. But look at verse 5 again. It says, And David says, Solomon, my son, is young and tender, and the house that is to be built up for the Lord must be exceeding what? Magnificent. Of fame and of glory throughout all countries. And I will therefore now make my preparations for it. So David prepared abundantly before his what? Death. Well, how did he prepare? And where did he get the money? Well, let's go back to 1 Chronicles 18, 11. Where did he get the money? to build this magnificent house that's going to be a theme of glory that all the countries are going to be in awe and envy of. Well, 1 Chronicles 18, 11, are you there yet? And it says, Them also King David dedicated unto the Lord with the what? Silver and the gold that he what? That he brought from all these nations. Come on. That he what? Brought from all these nations from Eden from Moab from the children of Ammon from the Philistines and from Amalek well where did God 
Where did the gold and silver come from? It came from the first bank of Ammon and the first bank of Philistine and from, from Amalek, mutual credit union and Moab, savings and loan. <laughs> That's where it came from. It came from conquered nations. And guess what? It was the wealth of the sinner. David believed that the wealth of the sinner was laid up for the just. And he went and took it. And it happened throughout his reign, he would go take the wealth of the sinner and put it in his house. They conquered nation after nation after nation. But what was he doing with all this money? He was stockpiling it. Come on. See, the Lord told him, you're not going to be the one that's going to build my house, but your son is. And David said, my son is, but I'm going to get everything ready for him. Come on, say amen, somebody. So he piled up money after money for what? For the house of the Lord. Somebody say the house of the Lord. Now go back to 1 Chronicles 22, 14. For the what? For the house of the Lord. 1 Chronicles 22, 14. Where it says, are you there yet? It says, now behold in my trouble... I have prepared for the house of the Lord. Stop right there. David is considered a man after God's own heart. But what was David's hobby? Come on, what was his vision? What was his heart, his desire, his dream? Because why? He's a man after what? God's own heart. Come on, he loves the Lord with all his heart, soul, come on, mind and strength. Not ashamed of God, not embarrassed of God, but what was his desire? His desire is this, the house God told him to build. That was his heart's desire, the house God told him what? To build. It's got to be exceeding magnificent of fame and of glory throughout all countries. So money can't be an object. So all of his life, he stockpiled money. Now, did that please the Lord? Yes. Somebody say yes. And before the end of his life, he checked out his God account. His God account. His God account that he's been collecting for the house of the Lord. And he notices, it says here, I got 100,000 talents of gold, which, which be, worth, be worth in our time $40 billion. And 1,000 talents, 1,000,000 talents of silver 
which would be at least half of that, 20 billion. And a brass and iron without weight, for in its abundance timber also and stone have I prepared that thou may add thereto. We're talking about major money. Somebody say major money. But whose idea is this? This was God's idea. But notice, a man at the God's own heart who got it in his heart to help out this thing together. For that type of money, God had to have a man that he could trust with it. That would do what he told him to do. Hallelujah. Look at Chronicle, First Chronicle 28.11. Look at that one again. Because let's make this point here. Then David gave to Solomon his, his son the pattern of the what? The porch and the houses thereof and of the treasuries thereof. Who gave, he gave him what? The pattern of the upper chambers thereof and of the inner parlors thereof another place of the mercy seat. Let's read this gives in a pattern of all that he had by the who? Spirit. By the who? Spirit. By the who? The by the spirit of the courts of the house of the Lord and all the chambers round about of the treasuries of the house of God of the treasuries of dedicated things. This wasn't something that David just dreamed up, folks. This wasn't something that he just dreamed up. He got it straight from the Lord. Everything in this house and about this house came from God. Look at verse 19 again. And all this, said David, the Lord made me understand in writing by his hand upon me even all the works of, the pattern, of this pattern. In other words, the Holy Ghost came on David. And he started writing on how all this was supposed to be. He got it in writing from God himself. Now look at 1 Chronicles 29.2. Are you there? He said, now I have what? I have what? Prepared. Prepared with all my mind. In other words, he put everything he had in it. He said what? Now I have prepared with all my might for the house of my God. The gold for things to be made of gold. And the silver for things of silver. And the brass for things of brass. And, and iron for things of iron. And wood for things of wood. Ox stones and stones to be set. Glistering stones of diverse colors. And all manner of precious stones and marble stones in abundance. He got this from God. Moreover, because I have set my affection to what? To the house of my God. I have, listen, I have of my own proper good of gold and silver, which I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house. This is above what we just read earlier. Above the 40 million, above the 20 million. 
He says, even three talents of gold, and of gold ophir, and seven talents of refined silver to overlay the walls of the house with all. This was out of his own pocket. This adds up to over 1.5 billion in gold and 65 million in silver out of his own pocket. Out of his own pocket. Five, the gold for things of gold and the silver for things of silver and for all manner work to be made by the hand of the artificers. And who then is willing, listen to this, then he says, and who then? is willing to consecrate this service this day unto the Lord. Come on, they're having a big meeting. And he said, who else wants to step up? He said, who wants to step up? He said, I brought my offering of $1.5 billion. Come on, who else is going to step up? See, when we give, we think we gave something. <laughs> but get this, tell your neighbor, get this. Get this now. Think about how blessed you have to be to write a billion dollar check. Oh, come on now. How blessed you have to be to write a $40 million check. And it's actually in the bank. It's not a faith check. <laughs> you know, Christians write faith checks. <laughs> Come on, say amen, somebody. And I've gotten faith checks before. If I think I want to got my fit in my, my file cabinet right now, I'm gonna say when I make my million dollars, this check, I'm a, I'm a, this check is gonna be good. So it's still in my office. <laughs> but how many understand? You're never going to get there doubting if it's God's will for you to prosper. You'll never have faith to come up to a place like that. Come on. Come on. Then he, but he says, who else is going to get on this? Get in on this. Verse 6. Then the chief of the fathers and the princes of the tribes of Israel and the captains of the thousands and of, of hundreds and with the rules of the king's work, they did what? They did what? Offered willingly. He didn't have to twist their arm. They offered what? Willingly. In other words, they stepped up. They did what? They stepped up. And in verse 7, they gave for the service of the house of God of gold 5,000 talents and 10,000 drams and of silver 10,000 talents and of brass 18,000 talents and of 100,000 talents of iron. Do you know there will, be, there will be people in our time that would not have liked an offering like this. They would have talked bad about the people giving them money. 
Come on, that David is trying to, he, all he's trying to do is trying to get people to give money. He's just trying to get those people money. It's like all them preachers. That's what they would have said to him. But doesn't the Bible say in Matthew 6, 3, because that's what they would say. And they would quote the scripture. They would say, but when thou doest arms, then the Bible said, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth. <laughs> Doesn't the Bible say that? And he's bragging about I gave $1.5 billion. If that was the case, why is it in here? Why didn't the Lord rebuke him for bragging about how much he gave? Why is it in the Bible? Come on, say amen, somebody. Amen. Magic, my, my sound went down. Now, when the Bible says, listen to this, when the Bible says, when thou doest alms, do of alms, do of alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand is doing, he's talking about giving to the poor, not giving to the house of the Lord. Hear what I just said. They are completely different. And one of the reasons you do that, you know, you do it in secret when it comes to giving alms to the poor, because if someone's in a tough situation financially, you don't want it broadcast because you don't want to embarrass them. Come on, say amen, somebody. And that's when you bless someone and nobody even knows where it came from. It doesn't have to be broadcast. But listen, it's a great thing when the Lord has blessed you like this, like David. And when it comes time to do for the house of the Lord, you can stand up and say, glory to God, I got it. And see, you're not bragging on yourself. You're saying, look at what the Lord has done for me. He is so good. Tell my Jane neighbor, he's so good. And listen, listen, folks. We're going to be able to do this. Come on, say amen, somebody. Now, don't be scared. I'm not going to take up an offering right now. <laughs> I'm not going to ask you to step up. <laughs> Now, if he told me to do it, I'd do it. <laughs> Amen. Amen. But I'm talking about the glory of God's house. And those men and the people, they stepped up and they gave. I'm going to look at verse 7 again. And they gave for the service of the house of God a gold 5,000 talents. That's about $2.5 billion. That's on top of everything else. On top of the 40 billion and the 20 million, 20 billion, on top of the 1.5 billion that David gave, they gave 2.5 billion for the house of God. And 10,000 of drams and of silver, 10,000 talents of brass, 18,000 talents of 100,000 talents of iron. And they with whom precious stones were found gave them to the treasure of the house of the Lord by the hand of Jair the Geshonite. And then it says in verse 9, this is unbelievable. 
Because sometimes tithes and offerings is the most quiet part of the service. <laughs> this got to be God. I mean, <laughs> it says, then the people rejoice. Rejoice for that they offered willingly because with a perfect heart, with a perfect heart, they offered what willingly. Somebody say a perfect heart. Now, did this please the God? Please the God? Come on, did it please the Lord? Listen, it's been recorded for all time. Why? Because this ministered to God. Amen. It blessed God. Amen. Oh, you didn't hear what I just said. It ministered to God when the people did that. Amen. It really blessed him. He made sure that all of us would read about this from generation to generation to generation. Why? This was a nice offering. Amen. That was a nice offering. Come on, that was a knife offering. <laughs> Could you imagine getting like $40 billion in one offering? I, just, I said billion. <laughs> but guess what? They had to be blessed to do it. How'd they get all that? Come on, are you with me out here? Look at verse 10. Wherefore David did what? He blessed the Lord before all the congregation. And David said, Blessed be thou, Lord, God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. And we used to sing this song that, you know, we used to pray for, our, we called her Mama Joyce Burton. She was our prayer warrior. She led our prayer when we, me and my wife first started praying. Amen. Before they even started early morning prayer, we were praying. We used to pray every Saturday with her at the church. And we prayed for the church service that Sunday and prayed for Bishop wherever he traveled that Saturday. And we'd pray and we'd sing this song every time we came together on that Saturday. We were saying, Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. All that is heaven and the earth is thine. Thine are the kingdom, O Lord. Thou exalted us, head above all. Both rich and honor come of thee. And thou reignest over all. And in thy hand is power and might. And in thy hand is to make great and to give strength unto all. She's trying to remember. Now therefore, God, we thank thee and praise thy holiest name. And we should sing that before, before we prayed. We should sing that song before we prayed. Come on, say amen, somebody. But look at what it says here. Oh, thine, O oh Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in heaven and the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord. And thou art exalted by his head above all. Both riches and honor do what? Come of thee. Why don't people believe that? Amen. Both riches and honor come from him. Amen. They gave billions into this offering and it said, Lord, it all came from you. Amen. 
one that made us multi-billionaires so that we can write a check for five million and five billion. And thou reigneth over all. And in thy hand is power and might. And in thy hand is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now therefore, our God, we thank thee. We thank thee and we praise your glorious name. Then in verse 14 says, But who am I? What is my people that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? For all things come of thee, and of thine own have we given thee. We only gave what you gave us, Lord. Because they didn't lose sight of where their blessings came from. Like most people when they get a little change in their pocket. Same as somebody. Verse 16. Oh Lord our God, all this store that we have prepared to build thee in the house of thy holy name cometh of thine hand, and it is all thine own. I know also, my God, that thou triest the hearts, and hast pleasure in uprightness. As for me, in the uprightness of my heart, in the uprightness of my heart, I have willingly offered all these things. And now I have seen, listen to this, but now I have seen with joy thy people, which are present here, to offer willingly unto thee. There's no greater joy for a pastor or any type of leader than see the people catch on what God is doing in the earth when it comes to finances. Oh, come on, say amen, somebody. And David said to all the congregation, Now bless the Lord your God. And all the congregation blessed the Lord, their God, their God of their fathers. And it said they bowed down their heads and worshiped the Lord and the king. See, that's an offering that pleased the Lord. But it was all for what? The house of the Lord. It was for the glory of his what? House. Come on, are we building the house of the Lord today? Come on, we are the house of the Lord. But every physical building is just a tool to serve the real house of the Lord. Come on, say amen, somebody. But every time somebody gets saved, a living stone is sealed into place by the Holy Ghost. Because the Lord is what? Building his house. But does money affect it? Yes. Does earthly wealth affect it? Of course. If we didn't have this place tonight, you couldn't have you couldn't have came in here and heard what you're hearing tonight. Books wouldn't be printed. Bibles wouldn't be printed. No TV, no internet, no satellite. Because why? All of that stuff takes money. I have yet for somebody to come to the door at some bank or some TV or the internet and say, we're going to give it to you for free. <laughs> come on, say amen, somebody. Why? The gospel is not free. 
It takes money to get it out. Come on, could you imagine a ministry that got to believe God for millions a week? Do you hear me? But notice how all this turns out in verse 26. Thus David, the son of Jesse, reigned over what? All Israel. And the time that he reigned over Israel was 40 years. Seven years reigned in Hebron, and 33 years reigned he in Jerusalem. Then in verse 28, I like this. And he died in a good old age, full of days. Why God mentioned riches? He didn't have to mention that, right? Riches and honor, and Solomon and his son reigned in his stead. Come on, say that's how I'm going. Come on, say that's how I'm going. A good old age, full of days, riches, and honor. Come on, say that's me. Hallelujah. Come on, that's how we going out of here, folks. Okay, I'm glad Maggie got, Maggie got over here. I don't know about the rest of y'all. That's how we going out of here, folks. 120 years, full of days, riches, and honor. You won't have nothing bad to say about me now one time. Say amen, somebody. See, we're going to get into this some more. But how many people can get stirred up about the glory of the Lord's house? How many believe everything that has to do with the Lord's work and his house should be absolutely impressive? Should be what? Absolutely impressive by every natural standard. Come on, say amen, somebody. Now people must say, well, listen, we can't afford to get to get get to get the best. See, it's not always about the cost, folks. It's about your heart. Come on. When it's the best that you can do. Let me say it again. When it's the best that you can do, then the Lord sees it as the best offering. He sees it as the best gift. Then what happens is when you sow your best seed, you're going to reap the best harvest. And your best is going to keep getting better. Come on, does anybody get that in here? Now, I'm going to give you some words that I want you to treat like cuss words. Treat these words like cuss words, like somebody just cussing at you. Hear the words. Well, that's good enough for the church. People have that idea. And they actually bring junk to the church that they wore out at their house. <laughs> Come on, say amen, somebody. 
I know my I know my missionary people that get their guys in clothes, they see it every day. <laughs> Come on, they'll be on their way to the junkyard and stop by the church and say, maybe the preacher can use this. But they're on their way to the junkyard. That's mentally in people. That's the mentality of people. Are you with me out here? What do we what do we just what did we just read is good enough for the Lord's work? The very best we can do. Let me say it again. The very best we can do. The very best we can believe for. It should be exceeding magnificent. Of fame and of glory throughout all what? All countries. Somebody may say, it takes a lot of money to do that. Well, that's why we're talking tonight. Come on. You got to believe and come up so that we're able to represent the Lord in every area. So that people will go, wow. That's the church? You mean that's from the church? Listen. It doesn't just represent the Word of Faith congregation or the pastor or the minister walker. It represents Jesus himself. And it represents God the Father. See, I wish all of us were multi-billionaires right now so that we could really do some other things. Come on, say amen, somebody. But the Lord knows where we are. And he knows where our faith is. Come on, amen. And he'll accept our best Amen. as though it were the most expensive in the world. Amen. If it's the best we can do. Amen. Say it again. If it's the best we can do and it's from our heart. Come on. See, I can see the day when we pay this place off. And we really fix it up like the Lord really wants it. I mean, I'm not saying it's nice now. We did a whole lot of work this last month. But it can be a lot nicer, folks. Let me say it again. It can be a lot nicer. It can be like, you know, we've been to the Holy Land. We, we, we always went to the Holy Land. We went to, to Disney World. We always went to the Holy Land. Some of y'all know if you've ever been to Holy Land recently. Man, when Jan got a hold of that holy land. We went before, you know, they had Campbell's eating hay in the, in the front of the, at the place. You know, it looked like a, a holy land. <laughs> we went every year just to go check it out. And everybody, when Jan got a hold of that place, you go in the bathroom. Everything is marble, gold fixtures. I mean, it is tight. Everything she did, she went to the top. And it represents God. Oh, you didn't hear me. It represents, I'm talking about the bathrooms represent God. 
response. Amen, somebody. Amen. Well, that's what we need to have. Are you with me out here? When you walk into our bathrooms, you walk into this sanctuary, and people just go, To the point they say, I wonder how much that costs. And we just say, a lot. <laughs> but guess what? That day is coming, folks. I'm going to say that day is coming. And we will have the best of the best for God's house and God's people. I'm talking about the most expensive. I'm talking about the most extravagant. I'm talking about the most beautiful. Come on, say amen, somebody. I'm talking about the most glorious. Is listen, the most glorious is only the really the only. It's the only real thing. Come on, that was that will sufficiently represent God. Now, will you believe that for me? Come on, you believe that with me? Now we're blessed. For what we got. Come on, say amen, somebody. But we serve a God that can do so much more than what we have. We serve a God that can take us to a place and make us so strong we're out of your pocket you can give a billion dollars. Make us so strong that we can underwrite things God wants to do because all of our stuff is paid for. Amen. Oh, I'm preaching good in here. Amen. God can bless us so much that we can pay off people's church buildings. Amen. Finance missionary endeavors. But guess what? You got to be blessed to do that. You got to have more than $102 in your bank account. <laughs> oh, that one somebody in their actual number. <laughs> you got to have more than $5,000 in a bank account. Come on. You can't just take all your faith. You got to pay for your electric bill. <laughs> Folks, we got to get beyond that. And get everything on our list done. Every debt paid. Come on. To the point we come up and say, Lord, here we are, Lord. Use us. We believe you are a big God. We believe you're a rich God. Help us represent you properly in the earth. So that when people hear about things, they go, oh, their God must be a big God. Their God must be amazing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you know during David's reign, every nation feared God because of David? Every nation feared God. Of David. 
They feared God. Because all they think about the God of David. What do you think they should be doing with our God today? They should be looking at you and they should be fearing your God. Because they see how God has worked in your life. How God has turned situation around. How he's blessed you so abundantly. That you're no longer working for a living. You're just working there because you just have nothing else to do. <laughs> oh, I'm preaching good in here. Because you're not dependent on their income. They don't know you got billions in a bank account. That you could buy their corporation if you wanted to. You know, you're the under, you, you, they don't know you, what they call it. You're the undercover boss. <laughs> Say, I'm the undercover boss. <laughs> Put your hands and give God praise. Come on, give God glory. Do I have any undercover bosses in here? <laughs> 